SEO this week. Hey everyone, it's Clint Butler from Digital Ear, and this is episode 35 of SEO this week. It comes to you on a Tuesday after the Memorial Day holidays. Yep, even when you take holidays, you just had to kind of get away from the computers, unplug, spend time with family. Oh yeah, yard work and barbecue was also involved. So I hope you had a great Memorial Day, and I thank all those people who made the ultimate sacrifice so that we could all enjoy our happy time with friends and family. So without further ado, we only got seven posts. I started off with ten, um, but deleted a few since they just, you know, honestly, it's probably just stuff kind of heard over and over and over again. So um, I filtered this out a little bit. You know, like I said, only seven posts this time. Uh, some good information. However, I think you'll enjoy it. I know I did. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started. Uh, the first site we're going to is SEO by the Sea. This is a look at how Google does uh, authoritative search results, or how do they look at authoritative search results. More specifically, it is about a patent that just came out, and it was published on, let's see here, uh, 25, yeah, 25 May. Now, the patent talks about some things that, how Google, one, decides what is an authoritative site, uh, a pool that they keep them in potentially uh, to draw from for specific, like if you're doing an SEO search, for example, they have a pool of authoritative sites they look for uh, to see if there's a result in there first before they put it into you know the wild and anybody can rank for. Uh, keywords on a site that, like, in some prominent places is one of the things they're looking at. Uh, mapping out pages on a site to place the keywords in meaningful places. And what is a meaningful place, i.e. title tags, heading tags, and list, for example. And in some prominent places, you're going to put your keywords on the terms. And a couple of other topics. I really, really have to say that most times on these patents things, I either go to SEO by the sea or I read the patent by myself. And if you're reading any of these patents by yourself without any technical knowledge, it can be really heady, meaning you need a translator. What I would do in this case is come check out uh, Bill's review of it and then go read it yourself. That's what I found had the best use. Another bonus is the May 11th update. There's a link to the search quality guidelines for the May 11th update. So if you're downloading those like we are uh, on each and every update, and we print them out, uh, then you can get the link to that as well. So very good information here. Check it out. The one question that came to my mind is, how do you know if you're in the pool for a uh, considering an authoritative site? And more importantly, how do you get into it? That is a good topic for a uh, an SEO guy or a content marketing person. As to how what do they need to do to qualify to be a authoritative site? And I think this gives you a lot of information to at least point you in the right direction. It's not a roadmap, unfortunately. Uh, I wish we had those, but uh, it does give you a, a good guide, uh, kind of like a GPS from space to get you within at least a thousand meters of your goal. <laughs> Our next one is Kiss Metrics, and this is a blog post on how data helps influence reluctant buyers, mainly kind of increase your conversions and what you can do with the data to find it. They go over some topics like customizing your data demo experience, uh, segmenting your email users to, from uh, just regular prospects to buyers. We do that here. Simplifying your checkout process uh, and then online monitoring online communities and selecting the best customer 
testimonials to put on your pages. This is all stuff that we've all heard before. But basically, it's just reiterating the point that you need to leverage the information that you have from your current customers in order to increase the or reduce the buyer friction to increase the conversions of your website. So I would check out this post. If anything, it's a good reminder of some basics that you should be doing. Uh, in particular, I like the uh, segmenting your buyers from your prospects on your email list. So you treat your buyers special. After all, they've already spent money with you. Uh, why not reward them with that? Reward them with special offers. Reward them with uh, information that you aren't making public yet. You're doing early kind of stuff. I don't know, like let's say you're an ebook creator and you had some buyers buy your last one you send them a copy of the next one and say hey look here's what i'm doing now uh, i hope you like it might be a good opportunity for you to either offer coupon codes to those buyers or offer them give them the free copying and ask for testimonials to increase your sales for the next one so check this out like i said really good read also wanted to point out that Kissmetrics changed their site from uh, the standard black colors to blue. Really stands out, and this is a good opportunity to see uh, what uh, A/B testing will do for you. My guess is that we'll see other iterations of different colors to see which works best for them. Uh, and this post that we're looking at now is: Are you being difficult? How the hidden work in your onboarding emails is killing user engagement. Now, I warn you now that the article is written from the perspective of you are selling a software as a service application and the onboarding emails are telling them how to use it. But I think what you can really get out of this is that it's, this sort of applies to everybody. Uh, from an SEO agency perspective, we deal with a lot of dashboards. Uh, we use Yext, we use uh, SEO Power Suite, we use SEMrush, SpyFu. Uh, and, and many others. And each one of those dashboards have different ways to leverage them in order to get the most out of them. And what we did for our clients is created our own dashboard. We use a, a freelance cockpit number three, uh, version three, to create a, uh, a client dashboard where our guys can log in, see what we're doing, follow along, track their progress, ask questions, and that kind of stuff. And I think even we fail to set good onboarding emails to kind of get them to use the thing, use the uh, the dashboard. Meaning, go beyond, if you're going to have any kind of dashboard for your people or any kind of uh, site where they have to engage and that engagement increases your retention, then you should have better uh, onboarding emails. Step one, step two, step three, step four. This is what you can do. This is why it's important for you or you should use it. Uh, and here's a easy walkthrough to test it out for yourself. Go through that process. Typically, unless you're doing a whole lot of updates to your platform, you only got to write these things, you know, one time, uh, and then update as the as the platform uh, progresses or evolves. But for the most part, I think you're gonna you're gonna find that these will um, one increase the amount of people that are actually using your your platform, and two increase your retention rate 
So if they're using it, they get value out of it. They're going to stay with you uh, for much longer. So uh, check it out. It's really uh, important information. Again, this is go beyond uh, the article's depth as a software as a service. If you have your phone forum, your own membership site, uh, your own agency, and you're doing a dashboard kind of thing, this is all really good, valuable stuff that you can apply. Next, we go to stonetemple.com, and this is a uh, featured snippets, new insights, and opportunities. This article was actually highlighted uh, in several different websites. Uh, so, and we found this one last, I, <laughs> laughably enough, we found it last in our list. So, we took out like three or four websites that were linking to this one. And the reason is, this is actually pretty good. What I like about it is it starts off with a definition of what each one of these boxes are. So you hear featured snippets, uh, rich answers, knowledge panels, knowledge boxes, extended snippets, and rich answers. Uh, I think I said it already before. But it tells you the different areas or where it is and the names that pretty much the industry has decided that this one is going to be. So featured snippets are rich answers. Uh, that include a link to the answer box is what we're mainly concerned about at this point. And it tells you how many search results are now showing it compared to 2014 and how that number has increased probably about twice as much. Yeah, 50% increase uh, and and some more. And then it gets into uh, how they think Google is making them. And then it goes on to how you can actually leverage that information and create your own featured snippets for your site. Here's what I want to tell you. You're going to do a lot of work. You're going to do some testing. You do a lot of keyword research. You can do some content creation. This is going to be good for you in, in so much as even if you don't get the featured snippets box, you're going to get better content, which is going to increase user retention, meaning you're going to stick around in the search and rankings higher. Uh, and then, two, if you do manage to get in the featured snippets box, it's a great opportunity to get some extra traffic and extra exposure for you, your clients, or uh, whatever you're going for. So remember, these are mainly for informational searches information people are not necessarily buyers so it's a good way to increase traffic overall may not necessarily increase sales but it will increase brand recognition so there is a benefit to these um, beyond worrying about if it's going to make you money um, so check it out follow the steps go through the process he literally they broke it down uh, step one two all the way to step eight and gave a little mind map like a, a flow chart and what to do uh, at what point and where to restart and then uh, some of their success rates that they've seen uh, like i said here it's saying three to five days it looks like the average and they've stuck around from anywhere from less than a week to 2.5 years which is pretty cool so um Again, it's not. If you get it, it's awesome. If you don't, you get better content. So you're not really hurting yourself either way by implementing this into your content creation uh, system. So I'd check this post out for sure. Next one is uh, practical e-commerce and how to implement e-commerce personalization. This one is a it's a good article telling you how to do a complicated process in a really simple way. But I would still go ahead and just get a dev to do it for you. Basically, what it says is create a cookie that identifies or maintains user data as in a user ID or anonymous user type thing. 
And they used three different personalization codes to quote unquote personalize your site with just some basic uh, comment strings. It's not hard. I'm not saying that it's hard, but if you have a dev do it, it'll make the process go a lot smoother and you won't run into any issues. Again, the post is short and sweet. Save it. Give it to your dev. Have them go, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. And then you're done. Uh, this is, But uh, personalization, is, it's, everyone's doing it now. Um, clients or visitors are starting to expect it, especially in the e-com uh, world. So go ahead, jump on that bag wagon and get that kicked off. Uh, next is the Whiteboard Friday from Rand Frischkin, and that's uh, over at Moz.com. And SEO should care about internal links. One of the things that I like about this post is uh, it talks about the attributions of internal links or different variations. So anchor text, location, link target, importance of linking page, relevance of the links, etc. Then it goes on to what are internal versus external links and their value. Uh, that one's okay. And then you goes on to ideas for internal link shares. Where you should put them, uh, kind of recommendations, don't use no follow, uh, and then maybe even the silo structure. The, the guidance here is really that your pages, it should take nowhere more than three clicks to get to anywhere on your site. Um, so... The example he used, let's say you have a category, that category has a thousand blog posts on it. But if you have a subcategory and it only has 50, so now I've started off at the category, I looked for it, I went to the subcategory, and then I found your post. That's three clicks. So that's that behind that three click theory. So don't get too dig, dug into that three click thought, but just kind of think about how you're going to do that with categories or tags or. Uh, Maybe even your your archives. So we 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 don't use archives for our sites specifically if they're a single author. Uh, but certainly you can leverage that three click idea uh, with categories and tags. Just depends on what you want to do. Again, this is a it's a short video. Get some really good information. There's no propaganda in here. Uh, as from normal, it's just saying hey, this is what you should do. Try it out, and if it works. For you great and if it doesn't then hey you've tried it right so um i could say that we used a seo intelligence agency information they uh tested said three uh, internal links once you got three links you saw a rankings boost um so that's on their test sites and we've tried it on live sites and uh, I've ranked pages, money pages, just using the internal links from our, our stuff. Like, for example, you can search SEO this week. We used to not even be on there. Now we're number four or three, depending on uh, where you are and where you're searching from. So, and we've done that with just internal links. So um, something to think about. Also, they address site-wide links in the footer with exact match anchor text and how... Uh, that has been found to hurt people. You can test it. Uh, we've taken them in and put them out and kind of seen a little bit of a bounce. So see if it's happening for you. If you're stuck on page two for some reason, you can't seem to get it off. And you have exact match anchors uh, in the footer of your entire website for a link. Remove those and see what happens. Maybe you'll get that bump that you're looking for. Maybe that's what's holding you back. Uh, Pure speculation, we'd have to test that to see, but um, an option that was brought up by Rand. Uh, next is the cornerstone analysis. 
If you have the Yoast plugin, you notice that there's a uh, little box there. Is this a Quarterstone article? And basically what it's doing is it's changing the settings inside of the tool to get the green, amber, red dot for uh, SEO optimization and readability. Now, as a standard practice, we shut off readability now. Google's not, from what we can tell, Google's not looking at it. And frankly, you chase that rabbit hole all day long and it's just going to get annoying. What you can do is break up your content and because readability in that sense is all it's doing is checking your paragraph and your sentence size. So if you just break it up, it makes it easier for people to read. No one wants to read a long research paper on a website, on a web anyway. Uh, so uh, essentially that's the foundations of readability. So you don't need a red, green, or amber like to tell you that. Uh, the SEO stuff is pretty interesting. It increases the length of the uh, page uh, and some other information that it's looking for, uh, specifically in the titles, the links, and the images, uh, just to optimize a little better to be a quote-unquote cornerstone article. In my opinion, what these are articles are is really it's your evergreen content, your long-term stuff. And if you're a backlinko follower, you know his poster, you know, three to five to four, you know, 6,000 words, that would be a cornerstone article. And then any supporting blog posts that you did behind that would be uh, just, they would not be. They'd just be your, like your supporting part of your silo to boost the cornerstone article, right? So um, take that idea and then now you know exactly what the cornerstone options do in SEO, uh, Yoast SEO. Um, pretty interesting. I encourage you, you know, just try it out. Like I said, we shut off the readability stuff, but use the SEO stuff. Don't chase that that green uh, dot, but you will get some more insights out of it. Make your content a little bit better, uh, and then uh, go from there. Again, the green dot is you can get in a little bit of trouble with the green dot, so don't chase it around. Um, but for sure, you know, try it out. Leverage the tools. Uh, for your market and then go like I said go from there uh, with your keyword research and your competition analysis all right the final post is six draw draw dropping ways to increase conversion rates with influencers basically what this is is saying is a you know you're doing your outreach you're trying to get a hold of influencers and you want them to um, you want to get more work more benefit out of working with them these are six ways to do that. I won't say they're jaw-dropping, but it's a good clickbait head headline, so let's go with it. Um, first is reach the relevant audience with a relevant influencer. Mainly don't go and find just any quote-unquote influencer. Make sure that influencer is you know fine-tuned for that particular niche that you're targeting. Like If you're a... Uh, health and fitness guy you're not going to want to go find a fashion influencer if you're a tech guy you're not going to want to talk to people who are good at food influencers so um that's one of the the six that are listed here it's a pretty good post like i said it's nothing jaw-dropping uh as you get down into the bottom parts of it you're like oh and that's that makes obvious sense keep going with it though and leverage the influencers the best you can depending on your market. I think you're going to find that there's a lot of people who have created a, if anything, a social following and as such are influencers. 
Um, they may not be exactly the right people for you, um, but you can follow them and learn how they did it if you want to mirror their stuff, or you can uh, partner with them and, and leverage the audience that they've already created to you know enhance your branding and such. So, influencers are good. Take them with a brand, uh, you know, grain of salt depending on the amount of influence that they really have, especially today when you can kind of fake that, fake it until you make it kind of thing. So, um, But in the end, I think an influencer campaign will really benefit pretty much everyone, uh, regardless of your niche. It's just some people will see more influencers in their market than others will uh, and just be prepared for that and the work that comes across of gathering that up and the information. So that's it. That's episode 35. I hope we've provided you or hope I've provided you with a, enough information to keep you going for the week. It is Tuesday. It's just short uh, work week for pretty much everyone. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Again, I hope you enjoyed your holiday. And on behalf of Digital Ear, to all of those who served, uh, thank you very much.